Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Today's scripture comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 29 through 44. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now, now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you thank our worship team, John Trovender, David, Charlene? Well, as always, thank you for being here, all of you in person and those of you joining us online. My name is Nathan, if we haven't met, and I, uh, I get to be pastor here at the church. Um, <clears throat> I want to, uh, obviously, it's Palm Sunday. Hopefully you, you know that. This is the Sunday before Easter. And as I got thinking about Palm Sunday, this, um, this reminder in our lives, personally, for our family, keeps coming up. Um, because, you know, you look at Palm Sunday And if you're familiar with uh, the Palm Sunday passages, you know, Palm Sunday is a day of uh, expectation for some. For some, it was a day of celebration, Uh, but it was a day of something else. And uh, maybe it's best summed up like this. Many of you know our middle child, True. True Ann. She's our middle child. She's 11 years old. She's in fifth grade. And the thing you may not know about True is True has this incredible incredible, and I don't mean strong, gag reflex. 
Okay, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, y- you want to feel bad, but you kind of want to record it too because it's that incredible. I mean, she, she, for instance, we've got a puppy. Okay, puppy has accidents in the house. True is one of those, and I, maybe I take this for granted, how hard it is somebody with a sensitive gag reflex to move on from the very thing they're gagging at. So the puppy pooped, you know, pooped on the floor in the house. And True was the first one to see it. And she was like, Mom! Dad! But the thing about it is, True, she doesn't look away. She doesn't move away. She's just staring at it. And it actually has gone so far as to result in vomit before. And I, I don't mean to be crass, but it's just, it's the way it goes. So... Anyhow, um, this, this happens all the time. Her little brother, like, he'll run downstairs and moon her. You know, it's, again, this is why you kind of want to record it. You don't, you don't want to, it's hard, it was so hard to scold Lincoln. I had to go around the corner and giggle first. And <clears throat> so this is how it goes. And I think this may just be part of the cross she has to carry, to be honest, okay? And, and it's just how she's wired and it's how she's created. Well, the other day, we get in the car. I'm taking her and Lincoln to school. She's like, Dad, <clears throat> open the windows quick. <clears throat> so I open the windows and um, she's, she's holding something. And Lincoln was like, that is, what is that true? And she's like, I think it's a, I think it's a dried pickle. <clears throat> And I thought, oh my goodness, a dried pickle that fell on the floor of our, our minivan. And she's just losing it. And, and so, you know it's real because people who have sensitive gag reflexes, I mean, they're like nearly crying, right? And she's like, Am I, do I look like I've been crying? And I was like, you do. You really do. Get out. Go to school. <laughs> Here's the best part. <clears throat> True's in fifth grade. Truth in fifth grade in Jefferson County Public Schools. Do we know what that means? Do you remember fifth grade in Jeffco Public Schools? Human anatomy and growing and changing. That's right. I I looked at Kara. I was like, she's doomed. She's doomed. And I am so excited. So, (laughs) anyhow. as As we look at the passage that Charlene just read for us, you could say... The Palm Sunday, yes, it was a day of expectation for many. It was a day of celebration for many over who they thought Jesus was and this coming King and Messiah and Savior. But it's also a day of sensitivity, of sensitivity. In fact, let me pick up kind of in the middle of where Charlene was just reading. You hear the cries of some in the crowd that were incredibly, incredibly sensitive to Jesus and who he was. Here it is. This is Luke chapter 19, verse 38. Blessed, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then quoting from Psalm 118, which is really a victory psalm. They say this, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then we get to some others that were sensitive to Jesus, but they were sensitive in a different kind of way. Verse 39, the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, Rebuke your disciples. And Jesus responded, I tell you, verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. Just think about what he just said there. 
I mean, this is Jesus, and he's used uh, parables before, and he's used hyperbole before to make a point. But the stones will cry out. Just think on that statement for a moment. As they heard this, what do you suppose the stones would cry out? I mean, it's easy to just fly right past that phrase, isn't it? I've done it hundreds of times, but the stones will cry out. And as I began to think about what would the stones cry out, was that just hyperbole, Jesus? But I began to think about it, and I began to think about our God, and I began to think about who Jesus is, and I began to think about stones. Stones actually would have a lot to say when you stop and you go back. And you look through it. I mean, I think about the stones that got to overhear this conversation in the middle of the wilderness. Jesus and Satan. You remember? He had just been baptized. He ends up out in the wilderness. He's gone without food and water for 40 days. And I love what Matthew says. I believe it's Matthew. He says, and he was hungry. And I was like, that is the most obvious statement of the entire Bible, right? He was hungry. But after 40 days without food, listen to what these stones overheard. Matthew chapter 4. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones. Right here, Jesus. You've got all this power. I mean, if you're really God, see all these stones? Tell them to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And as I think about the stones that were laying there and what they must have overheard, I I sit here and I think, well, they could cry out on that Palm Sunday. They could have cried out about this sinless nature of this king who's coming down the road on a colt, on a donkey. Stones could have cried out about that. But you know what happened? God stopped them. God stopped the stones from crying out. And then I think, I think about the stones that maybe um, you, you might remember. They attended a wedding one day. I know that sounds weird, stones attending a wedding. But you might remember John chapter 2. Jesus goes to a wedding with his disciples. And his mom is there, and they've run out of, they've run out of wine, which is just like this social, it, it's a total offense. And she's looking around, and of course, there's, there's this, all mamas, you know, you're proud of your kids, Right? You know your kids can do things that, like, nobody else knows, like really sensitive gag reflexes and stuff like that. But, you know, mothers know something about their kids that maybe other people don't know. And Mary's sitting there, and she's looking around, and she's like, huh, my boy is here. And I happen to know who he is. And so she approaches Jesus, and she says, look, I need you to do something about this. They've run out of wine. And Jesus gives this answer that's like, no, not right now. Why, Why are you involving me in it? And like a mom, she doesn't, even, she doesn't even answer. She just looks at the servant. She's like, just do what he tells you, okay? This is, this is going to be amazing is what's implied. And so Jesus, we read in John chapter 2, verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And those stone water jars, as they sat there, filled up with water, Maybe they recognized the miracle that was going on within them. That water was being transformed into wine. And John goes on, he says, look, nobody knew what had happened or how this had happened. 
but the servants. And I have to think maybe these stone water jars would have wanted to cry out and say, well, we knew too. We knew. And these stones maybe would have spoken to his provision. That, wow, he's, he's a king and he's a savior and he's a Lord who, who not only is sinless in nature, but he's also one who provides. You know, I keep thinking. And I start to think about the stones that make up the well that Jesus sat down at one day. Remember, he's, he's walking. He's walking along one day. We read that he was tired. So he sits down by a well. And this woman comes along. A Samaritan woman comes along. And she, of course, thinks she's showing up to get physical water. And yet after a conversation with Jesus, you know what she discovers? She discovers everything that he has told her. You're not just thirsty physically. You are thirsty spiritually. You're thirsty spiritually. And I can quench that. And she is so amazed by this conversation. She runs back to the town that she came from. And she begins to tell everybody that she has found the one that could be the Messiah. She brings everybody back. She brings everybody back to meet Jesus. And I sit there and I think about that. And I think, wow, the stones that made up Jacob's well that Jesus sat down at. They were witness. They were witness to a Savior who's not just sinless in his nature. He's not just a provider. But they were witness to this mission that he was on. Well, you could keep going. I mean, there were other stones. There were the stones, when you get to John chapter 8, the stones in the hands of some accusers. Some accusers, in order to try to trap Jesus, they show up one day with this woman who'd been caught in adultery. We read about it here in John chapter 8, verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And one by one, they dropped their stones that they'd had in their hands, and they walked away. And I think, wow, you know what those stones could cry out? They could cry out about his forgiveness. Later in the chapter, Jesus just hangs around. He doesn't take off or anything. He hangs around, and he begins to really offend some people. He really begins to offend some people. And then he says this shocking statement, all of them, in verse 58 of John chapter 8. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And they would be gone, whoa. Whoa, I mean, Abraham was huge to them. So for you to have been around before Abraham was, that's a declaration, Jesus. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, just a side note. One day, I want to find out who these guys are, okay? And the reason I want to find out is not to go after them, but I want to say to them, like, one day in eternity, if they're there, I want to say, did did you really think? Like, did you really think you'd get him? I mean, it's Jesus. I mean, it's like, it's like, this is going back into the 90s, maybe late 80s. Remember Barry Sanders? of the Detroit Lions, you know, Michigan. Yeah, okay, anyway, so 
he was, it's so fun to watch people try to tackle him and then get fired at the end of the season because they couldn't tackle that guy, right? But this is what is going on as they're trying to trap Jesus. And I have to think that those stones in their hands, you know what they would cry out? They would cry out to the very deity of Jesus, that he is God. And so you've got stones upon stones upon stones upon stones that could probably cry out a lot. They could probably tell an incredible story. They could write a book. They could make a movie. And God stopped them. There was the stone at the tomb of Lazarus, if you're familiar with his story. Lazarus and his sisters, people that Jesus really, truly loved. Well, Lazarus got sick. And Lazarus died one day. And when Jesus didn't show up, the sisters, you get the impression that very angrily, put their finger in his chest and said, if you'd been here, he'd be alive. And yet, Lazarus was carried to a tomb. And there was a stone there. There was a stone that would be witness to what happened. We read about it in John chapter 11. Jesus, once more deeply moved, he's so moved over the death of his friend, Lazarus. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And I'd like to think the stone said amen to that. It stinks in here. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I sit here and I think what a story that stone would have to tell of the power of this king and Lord, and Messiah. He could cry out to the release, not just from physical death, but spiritual death. It could could proclaim the power to remove those clothes that we all have known as we've walked around this earth. Those clothes of death, that reek of death, those garments that we put on all the time when dark powers and principalities, they tend to get a hold of us. And this stone could testify to the power of this Savior. Then, of course, there were the stones there in Gethsemane. As we reflect this week, during Holy Week, oh, there were stones there, for sure. We read about it. Luke chapter 22. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And there in a garden, whatever stones would have been around there in the garden, they would have witnessed his agony. They could have cried out to his agony, to the the battle with this satanic attack. But you know what? God stopped them from crying out. There were the stones of Jerusalem, 70 AD, just a couple more. 70 AD, Jerusalem. If you're familiar with history, the Romans, if you're familiar with how the Romans did things at that time, 
It was Emperor Titus. He pulled up, surrounded Jerusalem in that, that episode that Jesus referenced in the passage that Charlene read a little bit ago. This is what took place. They surrounded the city and nobody could get out. And as they surrounded the city, we got to read what Jesus pointed at. He said it would happen just a little bit ago. I'll read it to you again. <clears throat> if you, Jerusalem, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And so in 70 AD, when Titus pulled up, for 143 days he laid siege to Jerusalem. 600,000 Jews were killed, thousands more taken captive. The temple and the city destroyed. And I have to think those stones in Jerusalem in 70 AD would maybe cry out to this judgment of this king and this Messiah. And then there's maybe the most well-known stone that a week from today we will celebrate being rolled away. Matthew chapter 28, the stone at the tomb of Jesus. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know what you are looking for, <clears throat> that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And if you're that stone, I mean, you know how it is when you get incredible news, right? And even more so when you witness incredible news, you want to cry out and tell everybody that Jesus, that you thought was dead, has risen again. But we'll get to that next week. But this is a stone that could cry out and testify to the death in the resurrection of Jesus. And then, of course, there were the stones on or near the Mount of Olives. That Jesus, after, his, after he'd risen from the dead and walked around for a number of days, he said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I have to think that any stone around there that saw it could have testified to his return one day. But you know what? God stopped all those stones. In every single case that we just read through, you know what God did? He stopped the stones from crying out. Why? Why did he stop the stones from crying out? Because that's what he created us for. He created us to do that. See, if those stones on Palm Sunday that Jesus referred to could have cried out, you know what they'd be doing? Our job. When God stepped back and he had made all his creation, do you know what he said? He said, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He made human beings. You know what he said? It's very good. And yes, creation speaks to his praise, Uh, But very good creation 
humans created in the image of God. He said, that is your purpose. That is your role. That is what you do. It is what I made you for, to praise and worship and adore your heavenly Father. And so as I think about all that, and I think about this episode on Palm Sunday, I mean, it's so rich and there's so much to it, but I just have been locked in on these stones because I thought, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, what an indictment on us that Jesus would use a rock, solid, hard object that seemed so inanimate, yet he would point at it and say, if they stay quiet, the stones will cry out. And so it has just brought me to this prayer that I hope you will pray with me, not just this week, but in the weeks and months and years to come. Lord, Lord, let no stone cry out that which you created us to. Because you know every one of those accounts. And I know enough of you to know you don't just know those accounts. You have experienced those accounts in some way in your life. But the crowd that day, it was a mixed crowd. I mean, it was a crowd that made a ruckus. It was a crowd that made a big, big ruckus. And yet there were some nearby, as we read in the passage, there were some nearby that remained quiet. Now, there are different kinds of quiet, aren't there? I mean, there's like introvert quiet. Do we have any introverts in here? That was a trick question because none of you are raising your hands, are you? Okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's an introverted kind of quiet, right? There's a uh, trying to figure things out kind of quiet. I'm trying to think kind of quiet. And then there's, there's another, I mean, there are many kinds, but there's a third kind I want to point at. It's a quiet that's been hardened. It's a quiet that's been so mad. It's been so angry that it's perhaps even become indifferent. See, it's a quiet that has become desensitized to the very work and presence of God in this world. And it's the kind of quiet, the desensitized, the hardness that Jesus weeps over. Read with me again, Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you Even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And all I could think about were the people in my life And the people in your lives, that they're not here right now. I mean, yeah, there are sensitive ones. And you know what? I think Jesus can handle that. I mean, the crowd that made noise was really a sensitive crowd. And it ranged from close-up disciples to Pharisees that opposed them. And yet when you think through the people that Jesus got hold of, he got a hold of every single person. There were tax collectors in that crowd. He got hold of them. There were those who had heard of his miracles and came running from far off, and he could draw them near. There were Pharisees and, and, and leaders of the, of the ruling council, like Nicodemus and Paul, that Jesus got a hold of. He can get a hold of a sensitive heart. But we as a church have got to be praying this week of all weeks, 
for those who become indifferent, who become desensitized. And if you're here because maybe somebody dragged you here today and you go, yeah, that's me. Maybe you have a hard time praying that prayer. Lord, let no stone cry out that which you created us for. So maybe start here. Lord, when I look at all that stones witnessed and that the idea that stones could cry out according to our Savior, maybe pray this, Lord, make me as sensitive as a stone. I know we would use that description to describe somebody who's so hard, and yet Jesus, in maybe some form of an indictment, said, no, even the stones will cry out. But as we walk out of here today, may our prayer as a church be, Lord, let no stone cry out that which you created us to. And if he's got to use a dried pickle to do it, then let him make us sensitive, all right? Let me pray for you as the worship team comes back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, on this Palm Sunday, I mean, it just comes around every single year, and and we're so, many of us, so familiar with it, and we know the story, and we know the details, and we know how it goes. And yeah, Lord, let that familiarity not harden us harder than a stone. Lord, let us reflect that you have made all creation to, to witness what it is you are up to in this world. And so we pray as we reflect on that week of passion, as you walked through it and, and with, with your eyes set like flint on the cross, Lord, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. Lord, just, just deepen that in our hearts this week. We ask that you would truly sensitize our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.